Yeah, God, we just thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for being with us today in this place. God, we just thank you for your glorious presence with us today. God, we just welcome you even now. We welcome you now. God, speak to us right now in this moment. Speak to us in this space. God, I ask that you would anoint our ears to hear you clearly today. I pray that you would clear our minds, that you would clear everything that has been trying to hold us back this week, that's been trying to hinder us, that's been trying to distract us, that's been trying to get in the way of what you are wanting to do in our lives right now. God, I thank you that you have, that you have provided your very spirit to be with us Every moment of every day, God, we don't take that for granted. God, I thank you that your spirit is empowering us, God. Your spirit is equipping us, God. Today, I just ask for a, a increase, God, a special anointing, God, for extra strength to deliver this word, God, that it would be powerful, that it would be effective, God, that it would be fruitful. I thank you, God, that you are that your word is going to be spoken and delivered in power and truth today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today is kind of a culmination of what we've been studying these past several weeks through the life of Elijah. Today, we are going to get to see the response. We are going to get to see the answer and the fulfillment of what has been three long years in the making. So we're going to go ahead and pick up today right off the bat in 1 Kings 18 and verse 35. It said, at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet approached the altar and said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. So we see right away that Elijah has come to the right place at the right time with the right heart and approach towards God. First, he approached the altar of the Lord. The altar is the place of offering and dedication. We can only find whatever it is we need at the foot of the cross, at the altar, at the place where God intersects and meets humanity. Nothing else will satisfy. Nothing else is going to fill that void. There's nothing else that we could worship in heaven or earth that could ever come close to God. We see that he approached at the time of the sacrifice with, interestingly, if you look this up, the time of the sacrifice would have been around 3 p.m., So again, we see that number three representing the divine completeness of what God is doing, the complete work that he is doing in this account. And we can't understate the importance of being in step with God's timing. He will get us where we need to be at the right time to unlock his will into our realm. Elijah also, if you'll notice, he approached with honor. He approached with respect and humility, acknowledging God. We can't worship God on our terms. We can't worship ourselves, hello, under the ruse of worshiping God. We can't come expecting our own glory and honor, but only to bring glory and honor to King Jesus in whatever we do. 
Now, sometimes operating in the prophetic, this can be tricky, as sometimes it can be very easy to operate in the gift, and people may come and tell you, oh, that's so amazing, you're so powerful, your words are so amazing, it can be easy to just kind of take that in. But we must, as a prophetic people, always give the glory and the honor back to God where it belongs. Prophetic people who are walking in true obedience and character will point and direct other people back to and worship Jesus and not themselves. We see that Elijah came in obedience. He's done everything up to this point exactly according to whatever it was that God instructed him to do. Prophetic people have to be obedient to God. We don't just do whatever we feel and then just claim, oh, yeah, that was God. (laughs) Or just say whatever we want and then just tack on a little, thus saith the Lord at the end of it. No. We don't operate in selective obedience. We try to remain as closely as possible into complete and total obedience to God and his word. Picking back up in verse 37, Elijah's praying. Answer me, O God, answer me so that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back to you. Elijah asked God to answer him, not for his own benefit, not for his own ego, but for the sake of the people. Prophetic people are compelled to help reveal God to others so that they can taste and see that God is good for themselves. Prophets aren't afraid to call people back to repentance, to the foot of the cross, where they know people will find their healing and freedom. That's what this whole ordeal has been about this whole time, demonstrating the power of God, reminding God's people that only the Lord God of Israel is all powerful. Only he is worthy to be served, not Baal, not this false religious system that had been corrupting them and that the people would repent and turn and come back to God. We, as prophetic people, must pray and intercede for God to be made manifest in the lives of people, that they would experience his glorious presence to such a degree they would repent and run back to God. That's the whole crux of revival. You can't have true revival without radical repentance. When people actually see themselves in their sinful state in light of such a perfect, holy, and glorious God, that is the ignition point of revival. When people see the light and begin to respond and take a step towards God and away from whatever Baal has been keeping them bound, revival is breaking through. Psalm 51, 17 says, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit and you will not reject a broken and repentant heart, oh God. The next part is the part that we've been waiting for. It's the part that's been building up, the part that people want and need to see when God responds, when God shows up and he removes all doubt that indeed he is the one true God. Verse 38, 
Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and even the stones and the dust. And it also licked up all the water in the trench. Come on, someone. God didn't just respond with fire from heaven as if that wouldn't have been miraculous enough. He came in totally and completely consumed everything, all the offering, all the wood, the altar itself, the dust and the water too. When God shows up, it's undeniable. When the fire of God falls, it's all over. Verse 39 says, when all the people saw it, they fell face down and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. The people experienced the fire of God and responded correctly in worship, in awe, in respect. And they finally came to the point of decision and agreed with the truth. The Lord, he is God. This is what prophetic people today are believing for and live to see. The fire of God fall and touch people's lives so that they are never the same. We believe in and operate knowing that our God is real and that he will respond with fire to the fervent cries of his people. Verse 40, then Elijah said to them, seize those prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and as God's law required, killed them there. Now, here we see another aspect of the completeness of when God shows up. We completely rid ourselves of whatever it was that was keeping us bound. Now, We know we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but demonic powers and principalities in the heavenly places, okay? So this isn't saying anything about going and killing people, okay? We're talking about demonic forces that many times we may have invited into our lives or maybe just never actually fully dealt with. But just like Elijah, when we've experienced the fire of God, it demands we completely sweep the house clean and we don't let even one of them escape. Now, in this account, it seems kind of severe. Yet all of Israel knew God's law and how strongly God felt about worshiping anything other than God. I mean, you can just look at the Ten Commandments. But the punishment was also known. Exodus 22.20 says, anyone who sacrifices to any God other than the Lord must be destroyed. So then we see why in verse in Deuteronomy 13, 1 through 5. It says, if a prophet arises among you or a dreamer of dreams and gives you a sign or a wonder... And the sign or the wonder which he speaks comes to pass, but he says, let us follow after other gods whom you have not known and serve and worship them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or the dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all of your heart and your mind and all your soul and your entire being. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and worship him with awe-filled reverence and profound respect, and you shall keep his commandments and listen to his voice and serve him 
and cling to him. And here it is in verse five. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has counseled rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you from the land of Egypt, who redeemed you from the house of slavery to draw you away from the way in which the Lord had commanded you to walk. So you shall remove the evil from among you. What's interesting is some commentaries actually suggest that not all of the 450 prophets of Baal were foreigners who had come with Queen Jezebel to keep and continue on and spread this false worship. But some were actually fellow Israelites who had defected and become corrupt, much like King Ahab was. They knew the truth, but they were persuaded. They were corrupted and listened to them and now started following after these false gods. Now we know the pull can be very strong to sell out in some way. That's why we must guard our hearts and our minds even in this hour, not to compromise, but to give ourselves fully over to God. Sometimes there'll be even little things to try to incorporate into our walk with the Lord that will take us away from a personal relationship into a impersonal religion. Look, when Elijah offered the sacrifice and the fire of God fell, it consumed everything. There wasn't anything left that wasn't consumed by this fire. Likewise, we have to be willing to go all in and have God touch every area of our lives. We've got to give it all over to God in order to be a living sacrifice. That little thing that we still kind of want to hold on to, we have to let that go. That little sin that, well, it's not like that big of a deal, but it's still bothering your conscience in the back of your mind because you know that is not real, that is not of God, and I have to let that go too. God is looking for people with full obedience that he can work through and move through. Now, this could be very small and insignificant thing, even in the church. I mean, really, we can take anything and turn it into a ritual or a religion, like feeling like God could never move in a place unless we sit in the exact same seat every single week. And if anyone else sits in that seat, oh, God help you. God's not going to move today because you're sitting in my seat. I've seen this happen before, okay? I'm just saying. Or maybe we get into this habit of not really talking to God like a personal relationship, like you would talk to your friend. And maybe it's just, hey, whenever I feel like it, I just throw out the same rote prayer that I learned when I was five years old, and that's the extent of, no, that's religion. That's not a relationship. We know where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So we should be free to move and to change as the spirit of God leads. Because we know the spirit's not going to lead us away from scripture. He's going to lead us closer and closer to Jesus. Now, Here's some things to kind of think about connected with this idea for today. Don't pick a church based on whatever's most convenient for you. Pick a church that will teach and equip you according to the word of God. Don't pick a church like you would some consumer purchase 
weighing the benefits, looking at the programs. What can you offer me? No, go where God leads and directs you to go. Don't pick a church based on what's considered cool or trendy. Attend a church that will push you to discover and cultivate your spiritual gifts. Don't pick a church based on where all your friends go. Go to a church that will help you become a better friend of God. And don't pick a church that has all the cool lights and fog machines. Go to a church that still believes and operates in the anointing and the power of the Lord God. To sum this up, I would challenge you. Don't go to a church that will please your flesh. Go to some place that will please the spirit of the living God. Once we start doing things apart from the spirit of God, that's when things quickly get off track. We start demanding God actually conform to our image instead of us having to change and conform into his. We start believing we could just believe whatever we want and we're still good. I mean, God saved me when I was five. I can do whatever I want. Bless God. No, you have to try walk in holiness and obedience the rest of your life. The church doesn't exist just to validate us or cater to our every whim and need. The church of the living God is about establishing the kingdom of God in the earth. It goes against the culture. It demands we die to flesh and demands we stick to the truth no matter what it costs. There are actually pastors today who don't believe that hell is a literal place and that actually teach that all people make it to heaven no matter what. There are actually churches that proudly proclaim on their website. They do not believe that speaking in tongues or miracles or signs and wonders are for today. My question, how can you be a Bible-based church if you don't believe what the Bible clearly says? Hell is a very real, actual place where unfortunately anyone who rejects Jesus Christ will find themselves. And there is no chapter or verse that says speaking in tongues has ended or that miracles are healing were only to help solidify the authority of the early church. The fact that millions of people all over the world today speak in tongues still and that people are still healed and miracles still happen in the name of Jesus today disproves that theory flat out. The problem is people still go to these churches and choose to listen and to believe these theories rather than biblical truths. That's why we need the prophetic people today to be operating strongly in the spiritual gift of discerning of spirits. We have to have the prophetic watchman on the wall sounding the alarm. See, prophetic people see and hear things coming before other people do. Those who take the time to meet with God in the secret place, get clued in on what God's doing and about to do next, and even maybe what the enemy's doing or about to do so that it can be stopped. Look at verse 41. Now Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of the roar of an abundance of rain. The prophet tells the king, I hear the rain. There isn't any earthly indicator that it's raining or that it's even coming. There's no clouds in the sky. The clouds not, the sky's not even gray or dark, but in the spirit, he already hears it. He already hears the downpour. 
He can already hear the rain being poured out on the earth again. He hasn't even prayed yet, okay? He just hear in the spirit, he's like, oh, there it is. It's here. He's so sure of it. He goes ahead and tells the king, go, it's coming. And the king listens. 42. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, but Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and he crouched down to the earth. He put his face between his knees and he said to his servant, go up and look towards the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there's nothing. But Elijah said, go back seven times. Here we see another key for us contending with prophetic words until we see it come to pass. Elijah already heard the rain in the spirit. God had already given him the word. We already saw this the other week. The drought is coming to an end. Yet Elijah still had to go and pray and actively look and wait for it to happen. Again, we see it was seven times. Seven, another number representing divine completion. He kept at it until he saw it shift. He actually saw the atmosphere change just a little, but enough to know for certain, I have the answer. It's here. If we're not vigilant, we'll compromise anything that might seem better, that seems maybe more convenient or maybe like a shortcut. Like, well, God, I prayed once. Isn't that enough? I mean, I've waited for you a year. I mean, come on. Like, isn't that enough? All right, I'll help you out. No, there's no shortcuts. The message translates Matthew 7, 13 and 14 this way. Don't look for shortcuts to God. The market's flooded with surefire, easygoing formulas for a successful life that can be practiced in your spare time. But don't fall for that stuff, even though crowds of people do. The way to life, to God, is vigorous and requires your total attention. There's something about this with obedience. There is no shortcuts to obedience to God. You either are obedient or you're disobedient. We have to give God our full attention to know what he wants and what he's asking us to do so we can actually go and do it so we can be the living sacrifice, so we can be the fiery ones that God can use in power. If we want to see God move in our lives in churches, we're going to have to sacrifice some things in total obedience to the Lord in order to see the fire of God fall. If we want to keep on going higher, we're going to have to keep laying some things down. We've got to keep walking by faith, trusting in God, regardless of what it looks like, regardless of what it may seem in the natural, regardless of what other people are doing or what they might even be saying about us. We put one foot in front of the other and keep walking in obedience. The fire of God falls in response to the sacrifice of obedience. But are we willing to root out all those little foxes that keep trying to spoil the vine in our lives? Picking back up in verse 44. And at the seventh time, the servant said, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. So Elijah said, go up. Say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down so that the rain shower does not stop you. In a little while, 
The sky grew dark with clouds and wind, and there were heavy showers. And Ahab mounted and rode his chariot inland to Jezreel. Someone say at the seventh time. We can't skip over the fact that he kept praying and waiting and looking for God's answer and then saw it come to pass. Now, this is the point where we can often choose to give up. We might look crazy. Have you ever noticed (laughs) people with no faith like to talk about people who live by faith? (laughs) It's easier to never exercise any faith or believe God for anything and get it than to actually choose to walk by faith, trusting in God and then waiting for him to respond to our faith. It's much harder to live by faith. Like Noah, God instructed Noah to build an ark to prepare for a flood when it had never even rained on the earth yet. Can you imagine spending all that time and energy to build a boat, to protect yourself from a flood when you've never even seen a rain puddle before? What faith to spend your life building something that's never been seen or done before. People around you even mocking or ridiculing you, but all the while knowing I am doing exactly what God has called me to do, and I'm going to be obedient to that. See, Noah knew the rain was coming, and him and his family were not going to be disobedient and miss the boat. (laughs) You can almost hear it today, can't you? The naysayers, the doubters, the faithless ones mumbling about the faithful remnant that dare to believe God and take him at his word. Maybe, oh, they're still believing for that miracle. Bless their heart. Still holding on for that breakthrough, but everything's the same. Did you see? Everything's just the same as it's ever been. Nothing's changing. Why don't they just give up and accept things the way they are? Let me tell you this. We are the people who are not just going to go and pray one time and throw in the towel. If God's given us a word, then we are going to rend the heavens and keep looking for God to answer until we see him bring it to pass. We're going to keep on going. We're going to be people who, like Elijah, are steadfast, who are not content to just sit on a word, but who will work it out, who will wrestle it with God, who will keep actively looking for the answer until we see it come. We will not quit. We will not give up. We will keep contending for the breakthrough until it comes. We will keep asking for the rain until the cloud starts forming that will bring the prayer answer. That's a word for someone today. Do not stop rending the heavens until you see that promise breakthrough. It's been three years. The people hadn't even seen a drop of rain. They'd follow after this false god Baal with no answer. Baal couldn't answer by fire during the offering. I found this very interesting. We know from the previous week that they were looking to Baal for the rain, but they also looked at him as fire, as having fire in the heavens with lightning. But even in responding with fire on the altar, Baal, they looked to as fire from heaven, couldn't respond. Only God could do that. And Baal couldn't make it rain. 
He couldn't bring life and nourishment to the land. Only God could do that too. At the right time, after everything was completed, after there was repentance and turning in the hearts of the people back to God, we finally see the promise of God pouring out water on the earth again at Elijah's word, just like he prophesied he would. This is what we believe and press in for. This is what we pray and prophesy over ourselves, over our church, and over this country. God send the rain because we want it. Yes, but because that's what God has already said and promised he would do. Isaiah 44, 3, God said, I will pour out water on him who is thirsty and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. In Joel 2, 28, in case we missed it, it shall come about after this. I shall pour out my spirit on all mankind and your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. It's coming. God send the rain. And verse 46, then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, giving him supernatural strength. And he girded up his loins and outran Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel, nearly 20 miles away. Don't miss this today. God will give his prophetic people who walk by faith, who are living sacrifices, who are decreeing and declaring his truth and contending for revival, the supernatural strength and grace to finish strong. God will put his very hand upon us. He has anointed us with his very spirit to accomplish and see his will done in and through us to the end. We see that after all that Elijah had done, after all he had just been through, think about that, confronting the king, rebuilding the altar, preparing the sacrifice, calling the whole nation to repentance, killing all that had been corrupting God's people and praying and searching for rain until it came. After all of that, God still comes and gives him the strength to run ahead of the king's chariot all the way back to the city. I don't know about you. I'd be pretty tired about that time. I'd be like, hey, God, I just did all this stuff. I'm ready for, you know, a Sabbath. That sounds like a good time. (laughs) I don't know about you. But I know God has designated people as forerunners who will run ahead of the king's chariot. God's prepared a prophetic remnant who will go and announce his coming. You are a forerunner to the king and to his glory. You are proclaiming the good news to a generation, to your family, to this country. You are commissioned to release the rain in your city. You are the rainmakers. You are the pioneers. And you are the ones who go before Look, there's intense pressure to operate like this. And many may come and go and may even give up after a short while and not see it through to the end. But we will not quit. 
We will not stop until we see the breakthrough, until we see the fulfillment. God wants to complete something, but we have to be willing to keep going, to be faithful on our end. He's looking and wanting to complete some things in us, but we have to refuse to give up on the promise. Keep pressing every day. Keep the vision always in front of you. Don't stop believing what God has said will come to pass. God's looking for some people who will cry out for the rain to come, who will ask and keep on asking for him to pour out his spirit in greater measure. He's looking for some people of faith who will continue looking for the cloud, even when it looks impossible, even when it doesn't make any sense, even when nothing seems to change, that will keep getting up, who will keep moving forward, who will keep holding on to the promises and hold fast their confession of faith. I wanted to encourage someone with this today. Do not get discouraged by what you can't see. Do not lose hope or give up. We are the pioneers for what God's going to release in this land. We are the forerunners for this day and age. We need you engaged and pushing forth. We have full faith and hope that we are going to see God release his glory just as he promised, that he has spoken to me and many of you already. We will continue to press and contend to see it come to fruition. And we are calling out the company of prophetic pioneers who will go with us today. And I wanted to end with that today with another type of commissioning, another type of activation today, specifically for power and grace to endure to the end. Power and grace to endure to the end. We got to have some endurance for this thing. This is not a sprint. This is a marathon. I don't know exactly how many miles a marathon is, but it was close to 20. I mean, that's pretty close to a marathon. So anyway, that's what we're going after. Longevity, seeing it through to the end. So as you feel led, please come forward and we want to pray and just anoint and commission you for endurance and strength to see it come to pass.